Welcome to the Meta Business Podcast. The Metaverse and Web3 are bringing about the biggest revolution since the internet itself. With your hosts, Paul the Prophet Dawalibi and Jeff the Juice Cohen, we will be bringing you the latest Metaverse business news and insight into what it all means. The Meta Business Podcast starts now. From the boardroom to the Metaverse, this is the Meta Business Podcast. I am Paul the Prophet Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, Jeff the Juice Cohen. For those of you who are new here, welcome to the official podcast of the Metaverse. What we do is we cover the most pressing Metaverse stories and news of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this industry. For our regular listeners, thank you guys for tuning in every week. Thank you if you've subscribed already. Thank you for doing that. Thank you if you've left the five-star rating and review. If you haven't yet, do two things for me. Leave a five-star rating and review. And share the podcast with someone that you know, a colleague, a friend, someone who might be interested in the metaverse or what's going on at the intersection of gaming and crypto. Uh, we know there's so many of you out there who enjoy that. Jeff, how are you doing this week? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Feels like we just uh, we just recorded. You know, we the last episode we had we had were a little off schedule because we were both traveling. So now it's like been two days. Normally it's it's a week. So it, I'm re- I'm like ready to go, right? Really, like- I feel rusty. I feel rusty because <laughs> like last week was a big jumble, you know. Like I'm not on my usual. Feel like I'm a toddler when it comes to the, the all the podcasts and content we do, right? If it's not on schedule, I'm just I'm totally off. I I know that feeling. Having a 15 month <laughs> old, uh, you throw them off a little bit, and and it's just chaos. So it's chaos. I I hear you on that, but I feel I don't know. I feel, I'm the opposite. Maybe I'm just in the flow. Like I feel like we're we're good to go. Just more used to it, I guess. More practice. Yeah, exactly. Um, we've got so much news to cover, so let's jump into it. That's what people are here for. Let's cover the news. Um, let's start with a fun story, as, as we always do. I thought this one was interesting. The headline here, and this is from Hypebeast.com, Spotify enters the metaverse with interactive gaming island on Roblox. Um, players can create their own beats, complete quests, unlock exclusive merch, and more. So Spotify. This is their announcement. They're entering the metaverse. It's called Spotify Island. It's on Roblox. And the idea is, and I'll quote here from the article, it will connect fans and artists across the globe in a wonderland of sounds, quests, and exclusive merch. The digital island takes on signature elements of Spotify's branding with a primarily green layout alongside colors and iconography that users will recognize from the app. You'll be able to collect heart-shaped like icons uh, to unlock merchandise and climb the charts or rank on the game's leaderboard and artists earn an unspecified percentage from sales of in-game merch, uh, which can also be taken into other destinations on Roblox. So this is a way for Spotify to bring their brand, to bring artists, to bring music and merch into Roblox and for Roblox players to interact and engage there. Jeff, what do you think of this? As from all the, you know, we've seen now a, n- a number of metaverse plays we've probably covered i don't know at least half a dozen of them now mm-hmm. big brands either doing fortnite or roblox activations or decentraland or sandbox what do you think of spotify's um uh, execution here first of all and second of all their choice of roblox because that's that's an interesting conversation these days too right the platform brands are choosing yeah it's interesting i think this is definitely a more serious story we usually like start out with almost like a joke story. I think this is, uh, I, I view this as a serious story and, and mostly because I think that we've covered a lot, like the interaction between music and the metaverse, music and gaming 
is a very real angle here. Um, historically, I think Fortnite has probably been a bit ahead. Like we've seen a lot of big events, big concerts happening yep. in Fortnite. Uh, Roblox has done a little bit, um, but maybe this is another step in that direction. So I think the interaction of music in the metaverse is, is a theme that, that is a real one and is not really going away. The question maybe that I have, um, you know, for you is the one that you always pose on the live stream and, and even here is the who wins? Like, who is this better for? Is this yeah. better for Spotify or is this better for Roblox? Um, all, when you were talking, that was sort of like the only thing that was going through my head. And I'm not sh- even sure I have a great answer yet. So I'll, I'll let you start and then maybe I'll take the other side. I definitely think it's better for Spotify. And I'll tell you why I think the Roblox choice is kind of genius here. At least this is anecdotal. My own experience with music streaming is once you find an app you like and a service you like, you don't really change. Like the all the all the apps have all the songs, right? Like once you're into one, there's not a whole lot of motivation to switch, and so it it becomes increasingly more important to capture users earlier, younger, right, so that they stay with your platform forever. And I think. In a world where a lot of 10 year olds, 12 year olds, their first device is their hand me down iPhone or hand me down iPad. And Apple music is maybe the, the easiest or YouTube is maybe the easiest. Spotify, I think has, and maybe I'm giving them way too much credit here, but if I'm in that boardroom, I'm going, we need to figure out how to reach that age group because we want to get them on our platform early so that they're not thinking about Apple music and they're not thinking about YouTube for music. And. And this is smart, right? This puts them right in front of that, the core sort of Roblox demographic, extremely valuable, young. Um, and, and I think the activation here is clever, right? They're going to get artists involved. There's merch involved that the players can use outside of just this Spotify land, right? Um, so, you know, they've checked most of the execution boxes, it feels like, but the choice, I think, is what's smart and why Spotify is the big winner here. So I think I absolutely agree with that. It's a it's a really smart user acquisition play, um, particularly with the demographic that Roblox addresses is, is really that like younger adolescent where they probably don't already have a music subscription service. The question that I guess I would pose is maybe the little bit of the one that you posed to me. Uh, is it better to go to Roblox or would you go to a different metaverse? Um, probably not the central end or sandbox just because you're not you're not getting a large player base there, but would you would you have activated with Fortnite if you were Spotify? And the only reason I say that is because I think the music events in Fortnite have been a have been a bit of a bigger news story. Like I think it's more of an event. Like does this get found in Roblox or does it just kind of like end up getting lost in the shuffle of all the other great content and apps that are on Roblox? Yeah, you know <laughs> This is the, there's a, like a huge conversation to be had around discovery within metaverses, right? And because no one is solving for that yet either, right? Like mm-hmm. we're, everyone's going to build these giant virtual universes, but how do you find anything within them? Like, like who at some point, like Google, yeah, of, you, of the you, need a, you need to Google of the metaverse. Um, wait, wait a second. Maybe, maybe we should be pitching that. <laughs> Sounds easy. Why? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it'll, it'll take a week. <laughs> um, but you know, discovery is, is definitely not obvious. Uh, I think you have to expect that whatever activation, whatever Spotify has paid for here or whatever, you know, they've built here 
there's some agreement with Roblox that this is going to get surfaced, right? You log in, there's going to be some advertising, I'm guessing, uh, mm. you know, pushing users there. Why not Fortnite with their past music experience? I mean, Fortnite really is, they've shown mastery of the, um, specific character activation, right? Whether it's like, uh, Batman or like, uh, you know, Travis Scott or like a single individual or a single character. But I, I haven't seen great overall brand integration outside of just skins. Um, you know, could this have been integrated in Fortnite? Absolutely. Right. I could see this being the in, in, in car radio in game is powered by Spotify, right? Spotify mm-hmm. radio or whatever. I, there's a lot of ways to, to have done this in Fortnite, but I suspect the key for Spotify was probably more control over the experience, which I think they would get with a Roblox versus a Fortnite. And two, um, a demographic that they're, that is more valuable to Spotify today, because I think Fortnite still does trend a little bit older than Roblox. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, do you think, uh, and, and maybe I, I don't know if you caught this in the article, do you think that Spotify built this internally? Do, did they have a third party dev build this? Did, because I don't, Roblox doesn't, you know, you can't go to Roblox as a brand and say, hey, build this for us, correct? I think it has to be built, you know, it's user generated. So third party. Maybe they yeah. used an agency or something like that. Like, I wonder if, uh, how they actually logistically contracted that. Cause we've talked about this in the past, how we're going to see so many more brands enter the metaverse. How do they actually do that? Like, who, who is building this? Spotify presumably doesn't employ game developers. Exactly right. Now it's not in the article. It doesn't really say they did say they, one of the experiences like the virtual beat maker stations powered by a company called Soundtrap, but like the overall experience clearly was produced outside of Spotify. And the nice thing about Roblox is, you know, there's 300,000 plus developers who build content for Roblox. And that's everyone from, you know, your uh, 15 year old girl who's building something for her and her friends to, you know, professional development teams that, that build content just for this. So, um, the developer community exists for Roblox. And I think that also is a lot easier for a Spotify because you, you, you control more, right? With, with Fortnite, it's really Epic's show. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. You, de- you depend on Epic for all of these activations. Epic builds the activations. Um, with Roblox, that third party developer community, I think makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on this before we move on? No, I mean, the only thing, I guess the only other thing I was going to be curious about, and, and neither of us, I don't think, have gone into this activation yet, was just how upfront they are about pushing, you know, pushing subscriptions. Like, I wonder if they break the immersion where it's like, hey, click, click on this ad to subscribe. Like, just, I, I'm just curious about like, the attribution because um, I'm wondering what the, you know, how are people that are like, are people advertising seeing the ROI? In, in these metaverses when they're, when they're investing. I mean, there's always going to be, you know, metrics that can be tracked, like KPIs that are measurable, like, you know, how much time people spend and how many songs they listen to and things like that. And there's going to be intangible brand, you know, kind of awareness that, that they're going to get. I think there's a, a way longer conversation here of how do you connect virtual, like a metaverse to the real world in some way? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm in this case, I'm not sure you have to, right? Like in an ideal world, Spotify exists in the metaverse, capital M, right? And 
you never need the meta, the Spotify app in the real world because you're spending so much of your time in the metaverse. Um, and so that, that account that, you know, that, that's, that creation, um, happens all in the metaverse and the use of the software happens all in the metaverse, but that taking a user today from the metaverse to the real world, I agree is, you know, um, still needs to be figured out. Um, let's move on, Jeff. Let's, uh, let's talk about, um, Nintendo for a second here and Nintendo specifically the former Nintendo of America president. And this is, I think surprised both of us when we saw this. The headline here is former Nintendo icon Reggie. This is uh, Reggie Fis Ime, who's the, the former Nintendo of America president, wishes he could sell his Animal Crossing Island on blockchain. Um, it says the former Nintendo of America president also wished he could sell his Animal Crossing, Animal Crossing Island. He's a fan of blockchain technology and play to own games with the caveat that it quote unquote makes sense for the player. Um, so he, this was at South by Southwest, uh, just this year that he believes that it's a compelling technology and that it could be used to help power play to own experiences in games, letting players sell digital items they have earned or created in a video game. Oh. So, and the, uh, just the, let me finish the, the argument he makes is he's invested 300 hours in a game. Wouldn't it be great to monetize, you know, what I've built when I decide to move on from that game? So, um, we can spend a lot of time agreeing or disagreeing. Let me, let me try and ask a narrower question. What do you think of the former president of Nintendo saying this when Nintendo, to my knowledge, hasn't done anything? I, didn't even, wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking that. I, I mean, let's put it this way. Nintendo will probably get into blockchain when hell freezes over. Nintendo <laughs> is historically like notorious. Like they got into mobile like three years ago. <laughs> and it's been around, like so they yeah so nintendo is is you know and reggie obviously doesn't work for nintendo anymore um but i think what's interesting here is two things number one reggie is like an icon in the space right and he he the fact that someone who's so entrenched in gaming is uh evangelizing for play to own is actually pretty important just given what we know around kind of the the narrative of play to own and kind of how gamers have viewed it so I think people like that sticking their necks out and I, you know, hopefully we'll see more streamers, content creators, people start getting in on this and, and getting on sides with this will actually help, um, you know, play just player, uh, player behavior and people's the way people perceive blockchain gaming and, and, and people need to get on side with it and, and on board with it, not in a, a slimy way and like, Hey, a cash crab way, like streamers can't be doing it. They need to be doing it. And I know you hate word in an authentic way and i think what reggie's saying here is valid that's that's number one number two that i thought was interesting and maybe this is because kotaku wrote it and they kind of have an axe to grind they're calling it play to own right so the way reggie's describing it i I think we're both on very much um on board with where it's you've put in 300 hours you've spent all this money you you want to own those assets right you feel like you've put in the time you own the assets and you want to sell them you're not saying you're going to make money you're not saying you're earning money on a daily basis because you put in seven hours. So you make, you know, $20 times seven. So you're making $140. It's no, I, I bought a bunch of stuff. I put a lot of money and time into the ecosystem. I now am moving on to a different game or whatever. I would like to get some, I own it. I'd like to get some sort of value back for it. I think that is very valid. And, and that's probably where the future of a lot of this 
Like that's a future I can I can very much buy into. It's not play to earn. It's not this kind of digital job that we've always been kind of uh, very negative on. So those are my two takeaways. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely shocking coming from anyone associated with Nintendo or even formerly associated with Nintendo because it really is anti-Nintendo, right? Like this is just not how they think about gaming and they're definitely not on the cutting edge of anything um, other than maybe mobile hardware, you could argue. Uh, but they're very much, you know, focused on IP and characters and story and, you know, um, the things that you don't usually, uh, associate with play to earn, play to own kind of games where I disagree with you a little bit, Jeff. And it's a, it's a subtle disagreement because I agree play to own is, I could argue better than play to earn because it's just about, you know, well, you put it in the hours anyways, it, why not, you know, be able to sell it when I'm done with the game or whatever? Like, why not own these items and, and have a market for them? Um, I just think it's such a weak argument. Like, it's such a weak argument for blockchain and gaming coming together because, look, you pay $60 for the game. You play the game for 50 hours. There, for decades, there's no, you know, no expectation beyond okay i got 50 hours worth of entertainment and i paid all right i paid 50 dollars. i got 50 hours of entertainment right um this is a dollar an hour in terms of you know in terms of cost it's cheaper than going to the movies right that was the the argument for gaming for many many years it's cheaper than going to the movies because you get 100 hours out of the game now we're saying you put 100 hours into the game well, now you need to be able to sell your stuff at the end. Okay, but let me let me make a counterpoint. So for yeah. 100 years, you could buy a game. You go to GameStop, you pay $60, you play it. You'd be like, oh, that was great. I enjoyed it. You could go back to GameStop and you could sell it for $15, $20, right? Okay. That was always the case. Yep. How is that different if you are spending money in-game? Historically, you've always been, you know, you've spent $20, $40 on skins. You've never had a way to sell that back. How is it that? How is that that different? Right. It's a good point. I just and I'm not saying it's an invalid argument because I agree there is a benefit to the player. I agree. I just don't think it's so compelling that, you know, entire game companies, industries are going to, you know, stop the presses and change everything tomorrow. Right. Like, again, gamers are going to be clamoring for this. Like. I, I said this at Crypto Bahamas. We have not found the killer app yet. Reggie has not uh, for, you know, all, and I'm not saying him coming out and saying this about blockchain technology isn't important, isn't positive. It's just, this is not groundbreaking. Gamers mm -hmm. are not all of a sudden going to go, wait a second. I'm not going to play a game anymore unless I can sell it at my items at the end. No one is going to have that moment. It's not a strong enough argument on its own. It is better. There is value to the player, but it's not compelling enough, I think, to stand on its own. Agreed. And, and Nintendo is not going to be, as you pointed out, I think very astutely, is not going to be the one leading the way. Yeah. Uh, even though they could, right? Like, so much of what they do is about the art and the character. Right? Like, NFTs are a perfect fit of so much. I don't know if you remember what, Amiibos, you know, the Amiibos, which they still yeah. use for some of their games, could be NFTs. Um, like, there's so much about Nintendo's 
gaming library and the way they do gaming that is a good fit. And I, I see why Reggie would have made a statement like this because it is a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about... Um, we've got three stories here I want to put together, Jeff. And um, actually, no, before we get to that, I want to talk about this because uh, this is an interesting infrastructure story. And this is uh, Argent in the news, uh, which is a French word for money, uh, Argent. Um, DeFi wallet Argent raises 40 million and takes aim at gaming. And um, so this is Fabric Ventures, Skype co-founder, investment firm MetaPlanet led the raise. They're going to use the cash to build new gaming infrastructure as it vies to become a crypto super app. I've never heard that term actually up until now. Um, and the CEO said, we want to be the de facto wallet for gaming. So Series B, $40 million, um, very finance centric, according to the article. But they want to they want to be the wallet that people use in games uh, for NFTs, virtual real estate, any kind of transaction in game um, instead of connecting through something like uh, the existing wallets, more more sort of general purpose wallet. They want to be the infrastructure layer for gaming. What do you think of this? And, you know, how, what what do you think generally of that infrastructure layer play within gaming as, as it pertains to crypto? So it's a tough one. I mean, without digging into the tech, it's a bit hard to say to me, like wallets are an incredibly important piece of the tech stack within, within crypto and whoever creates kind of the default wallet for crypto is, is you know, obviously going to be, a, a, you know, Probably worth a hundred billion dollars. It'll be the PayPal of, of of kind of crypto. I'm just not sure that it needs to be verticalized. Like we've had this conversation in the past with regards to um, you know, like NFT trading platforms. And I was actually pretty bullish that like there would be a it would become a verticalized market where like there is some value to having a marketplace that is only specific to games. I, I'm just not sure I'm seeing the use case of why the wallet has to be specific to games. Um, almost it seems like that would be worse. Like I, I, I want one wallet where I can buy whether it's a profile pick NFT or a gaming NFT or just buying crypto or or you know exchanging for fiat. Like I'm I'm sure there is a use case that I'm missing here, but I'm not sure I could think of one. Like why why did you need to have a verticalized wallet for gaming? I think your your insight's good. Um, that for the consumer. It doesn't like there's no difference, really, right? The, where I think there's difference and wh- why you see more vertical focused solutions is because it's the other side that's diff- highly differentiated, right? The ease of integration in a game, your game, for example, mm. right? Building tools and APIs specifically for game developers. So, you know, they can write two lines of code and they're done versus maybe a wallet that's not specific to games. And doesn't have, you know, plugins for Unity yeah. and Unreal and, you know, all this kind of stuff that you may do if you're Argent and not as someone else. That I mean, it's more, Very I think, terrible. on the developer side that you may see the difference. But I agree from a consumer standpoint, it feels like this may be worse. Like if I if I end up having 25 wallets, um, <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I feel like we've gone backwards a little like bit. Like it's not like I have a credit card that I use for seamless and then a credit card I use for Uber <laughs> and a credit card I use for hotels. I mean, some people might if they get good points, but like most people don't. 
that's what yeah. I equated it. I mean, people are trying, uh, even though like in call it traditional finance to connect to gamers, right? Like a credit card for kids, right? To spend their mm-hmm. money on gaming. Like you see some of that. I really think this comes down to more of a, a, a deeper infrastructure play and building tools. I would, I would suspect if they're going to be successful for the game developers to make it like dead simple where they don't need to think about anything. It's right. Like they insert a line of code and everything's taken care of for them. That, that mm-hmm. to me is where a vertical play like this makes sense. Yeah. And maybe it becomes, maybe, maybe they, they become the pipes where it's like, Hey, they just built some really good, like, API that connects the game like Unity to MetaMask or whoever the dominant wallet ends up becoming. Because yeah, I just think you're gonna create a ton of it's already actually have came the neck to 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 do anything in crypto in terms of wallets. So the last thing you want, and just knowing you know how these gaming everything, every bit of friction is so optimized. Like the last thing you want is someone wants to like they're playing your mobile game and all of a sudden they, you want them to do an in-app purchase. And it's like, Oh, actually go download this wallet, load <laughs> yeah. it into your iPhone, you know, f- fund it via another crypto wallet, come back to the game, like input a, a, a 65 character address, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Like find your like, you know, login <laughs> key. And then 35 minutes later, like come back and play with the, you're, you're literally like, no one's going to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Look, they just raised 40 million. So, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of dry powder to, to build cool things. So we'll see. Um, I like the idea of standardization in general. So, you know, hopefully they build something that becomes a standard. Um, let's talk about this article from GamesBeat, which, you know, it's one of those where, uh, I think both of us were not surprised, but it's still like you have to talk about it just because of how crazy things are right now um the headline here is blockchain game pitches are flooding into game vcs so what they're saying basically I'll, I'll summarize the article that blockchain related game companies are getting a, a ton of funding right now from vcs and vcs are seeing mostly blockchain related games it says here um blockchain related game companies receive a third of all game startup funding 128 companies received 1.2 billion just in the first quarter of this year and uh, obviously, that means they're hot. But I think what was more interesting for me was uh, at uh, as part of this article, it says one investor indicated that 90% of the inbound pitches at one game VC were blockchain related. And that anywhere from 50 to 90% of the pitches coming into gaming VCs involve blockchain games in some way. So... um you know, they call this a uh, forward indicator, right? That maybe uh, even though blockchain-based games have only received a third of all funding in the first quarter of this year, given how many pitches are now blockchain-based games, that may change drastically. What do you make of this, Jeff? Like, other than the fact that we should all be starting blockchain-based game companies. I certainly still agree with that. It, it is still remarkable to me um, that it just seems like the whole capital markets side of gaming has decided that this is the future, but gamers haven't gotten the memo yet, right? Like we always talk about That's this. That's interesting. The, thought. the yeah. size of the blockchain gaming tan, like audience currently is just so small relative to like mobile gaming, console gaming, general game. And like, it's almost like I, you almost want to be contrarian and be like, Hey, we should be investing in great 
games companies that are just building games because the valuations on those have probably come way down. And let's face it, for the next five to five plus years, you're, those are probably the companies that are going to get the most users, be profitable. Um, whereas you have all of this capital and all of these people chasing a trend that we all think is coming, but, but decidedly is not here. And, and the, they're just, the users are not here. Right. So it's like, I don't know, at some point, like, give me a really good mobile gaming company or a really good, you know, like, give me the next Genshin Impact and like, let me, let me invest in that or, or the next Elden Ring. Right. And, and that's what I would want to fund, not the 10,000 web two developer that wants to move into web three. I mean, it's, it's such an interesting insight and thought. Um, you know, I want to break it down for a second because you said valuations are probably lower. In terms of like early stage, like startup, you're probably right because everyone's focused on the blockchain based games, right? Everyone's fighting over those deals. Valuations are probably crazy. The, the, the five man development shops that are trying to raise, you know, seed rounds today probably are undervalued where, where you're not seeing low valuations is like the other end, right? Like if you're, if you're a, an existing studio that has, has already had, you know, a hit or two. Those are selling for crazy valuations still because mm-hmm. there's so many buyers for game studios these days, including crypto companies. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Like the VCs may be getting ahead of themselves or maybe choosing a winner that the world has not chosen yet. Right. And, 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 but it's because I feel like the thesis is easy to make, right? Tons of interest in crypto, tons of money to be made there. Tons of interest in gaming, tons of money to be made there. The two together must be great. And I buy that. Obviously, I'm a believer in that. Where I have a bit of a stop sign that other VCs aren't seeing, I think, is, okay, but what does that intersection actually look like? Right. Because we haven't figured that out yet. No one has. Not any of these companies pitching has figured that out yet. The, the, the actual business model that is the intersection of these two, other than just selling crypto services to gamers, which, you know, any crypto company can do, not necessarily a blockchain based gaming developer. Um, no one has figured that out yet. And so they're betting on a future that is a little bit uncertain, which I guess is what VCs do, but betting in a really big way without any hedge, call it in traditional gaming. Um, yeah. you're right. I mean, you, I, I, the more I'm thinking about it and the more I hear you, talking about it i'm like we need to go start a venture fund that invests in only old-fashioned games right traditional yeah the same way we call it traditional sports traditional gaming yeah yeah right like maybe maybe there's a because you're right even if they're all spectacularly right about play to earn play to own any of these things it's still a few years before we really see um you know the fruits of all this and and so um Definitely a, pl- a place for traditional games. I can't believe I'm even calling that, using that term. Um, but do, what do you think this statistic will look like if we have this conversation six or 12 months from now, Jeff? Like, do you think it's a blip? Do you think this is going to be sustained? I think it will be sustained for six to nine months. It will definitely be sustained. I think there might be a point where we have like the, we hit the, whatever the term is, like the trough of disillusionment. Where if we don't start seeing, and I think um, we kind of had this conversation maybe a few weeks ago where it's like, wh- when do we start to get concerned that we're not seeing a mega hit in this space? 
um, maybe it's about that six to 12 months from now. Like if, if, if none of these projects are starting to hit, I, I do think at some point VCs are going to panic and be like, okay, well, we've, we've put all this capital out there and no, no one's playing the games. Um, yeah. And then maybe they transition out of gaming and a lot of the tourists that kind of came into the space end up going out and, and maybe people pivot back to like traditional gaming. I will say that, that there does come a point with venture though, where, and, and I know I'm going to get, you know, comments on this, but there does come a point where it's too big to fail from a total money invested standpoint, right? Like when you have the biggest investors, the Andreessen's, the Sequoia's putting billions and billions and hundreds of deals across the entire industry in a single quarter, right? Like it gets to a point where there's just too many at bats chant. There's the statistically some of them will be successful and it becomes too big to fail as a sort of a, an effort, a, a you know, combined effort yeah. from VCs. Yeah. Uh, and I think we've reached that point already where there's just too many, too much money in the system. Some of these will work. Now they may not look exactly the way they do today, or they may not, you know, they may figure out something different two years from now, but the reality is there's already too much effort, people, resources, dollars in the system. Some of these will be successful. Yeah. Um, on that note, Jeff, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you as always. Thank you guys for listening, tuning in every week. Make sure to go subscribe, follow the podcast on whatever app you find us on, whether it's Spotify or Apple podcasts or Google play or Stitcher or wherever. Make sure you hit that follow button, leave a review. And most, most importantly, share the podcast. Just if you love the specific episode, send it in an email, share it on social media with your friends, your colleagues. We really appreciate that. It's the way the podcast has grown. Uh, and it means a lot to us. Jeff, thank you. Thank you all thank for you. tuning in. Don't forget, guys, the future is fun. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us here on Meta Business. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Business.